Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. This morning, when you woke up and you took your first steps, who was served by the first steps that you took this morning? For most of us, we served ourselves. We hurried off to the bathroom, right? Or we checked our phone because we had to find out what happened. What did we miss overnight? And for some of us, the first steps are to the coffee pot because we desperately need caffeine in our blood. Oh, there are exceptions. For those of you who have little children in the house, your first steps are likely to serve those that you love because they are so insistent on being served right now. And for those of you who have dogs and cats, it's probably the same. They want to be fed right now. And you love them, so you do. You, the first steps are to serve those that you love. This morning, I'd like us to think about the first steps that Jesus took that first Easter morning. And who was served by his first steps? He didn't serve himself. His first steps were to serve those that he loved. Not because they were so insistent, but because that's just the way his ministry always was. He'd come to serve others. So this morning, I would invite you to turn with me to John chapter 20 and uh, follow along as I read John's account and as we, we look for Jesus' first steps that Easter morning. Now, as you're looking it up, just let me give you some backstory. What we're going to hear is a little bit different from what we heard in the gospel lesson. Matthew mentions that there was Mary Magdalene and another Mary. If you look at the other Gospels, there were other women present. John's Gospel only mentions Mary Magdalene. And church history can help us understand that. You see, John is writing his personal account of what happened that eventful morning. So he's told this Easter account over and over again for 60 years. Now he's a very old man, and he wants to preserve his personal testimony in his gospel about what happened that Easter morning for generations to come like us. But church history also says that Mary Magdalene, at the end of her life, she was in Ephesus where the apostle John was ministering as well. And so it comes as no surprise that as John records his testimony, he also records the personal testimony of the woman who was also there that Easter morning. Not 
denying that there were other women present, but this is Mary's version of what happened. So let's listen as John and Mary describe that eventful morning, and let's look for Jesus' first steps. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Peter, Simon Peter, came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And then there's this parenthetical thought. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So we don't actually see Jesus' first step that Easter morning in John's account. We just see evidence of that first step. Evidence that was very significant to the Apostle John, the the disciple whom Jesus loved who was writing this. It says that John went into the tomb, he saw, and he believed. Now, then he explains... I should have known all along. They still didn't understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. We can understand why they didn't understand. I mean, 
the dead stay dead. You and I have experienced that, haven't we? How many people that you know have died and they just stay dead? The dead stay dead. The apostles have experienced that too, probably much more vividly than we experience it. They would have to take care of their own dead. They didn't have funeral directors back then. The dead stay dead. Oh, they had seen a few resurrections. They had seen uh, Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. They had seen that that young man who was raised from the dead at at the gate of the city of Nain. And just a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months before this, they had seen Lazarus come out of the tomb. But those were exceptions to the rule. And none of them had experienced the horrible, mutilating death of the crucifixion. And so that Easter morning, they did not expect to see Jesus alive, even though the scriptures could have told them that, if only their eyes were open. For example, 50 days after Easter on Pentecost, the apostle Peter preaches to the crowds in Jerusalem and he quotes from Psalm 16 that God says that he will not let his Holy One see decay. Now, Peter, as he's preaching, says, you know that David's tomb is right here in Jerusalem. We all know where it is. But God was talking about his Messiah, that he would not decay in the grave. It was there. Later on, Peter could talk about it. But, but that Easter morning, Peter and John, they just, they just didn't get it. It was there in the scriptures. In Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the Savior, Savior was born, says that, that he would be an offering for sin. And now Old Testament believers understood that a sin offering has to die. Sin offerings were animals. That that you put your hands on the the head of that animal, you confessed your sins on that animal, and then you slaughtered that animal. The sin offering had to die. And yet, look at how it goes on. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. The one who dies as the sin offering is going to live again. It was there in the Old Testament. Jesus said it too. Every time he talks about how he's going to be handed over and he's going to be crucified and, and spit on, he, he includes that reference that, that he will rise from the dead on the third day. But you can see it, it's kind of bla- blocked out. You can't really see it there on the screen. And that's what it was for the apostles, because the dead stay dead. They did not expect Jesus to rise from the grave. But the apostle John, as he talks about his personal experience on Easter morning, Talks about how he was excited and he outran Peter and then he held back. And then when, when he joined Peter inside the tomb, what did he see? He saw details that convinced him. He saw and believed. 
Now, what did he see? He saw the, the, the grave clothes, the, the, the linens that were wrapped around Jesus. Now, I've given this quite a bit of thought over the last few days, and, and as I think about trying to carry 150 pounds of dead weight, if you were carrying 150 pounds of dead weight, wouldn't you rather have that body kind of wrapped up tight so that the arms and legs aren't kind of going like this? You wouldn't unwrap a body if you're stealing the body, right? He saw the linen lying there. This doesn't look like a a grave robbery. And then he sees the, the facial cloth wrapped up or folded up separately. And those details were just enough for John to finally understand it's true he has risen just as he said he saw and believed. Do you see Jesus' first steps? Jesus' first steps are to convince John and Peter and us. You see, his first step when he came out of the, uh, came to life that day, was to turn around and fold up the facial napkin, right? Because he knew that detail would be enough to convince John. I don't know about you, but I need those kind of details. Because in all my experience, the dead have stayed dead. And nearly every question that comes to mind about our faith always will come back, was that tomb empty? And so I'm just honest with you. If you have doubts and questions, is this really history? Join the club. That's why every day I take a daily walk out to the tomb to be convinced that he did rise just as he said. I look for details in the scriptures, in, in, the, in the resurrection accounts, throughout the Bible, looking for details that reassure me this is history that I'm reading. That our God, who created the world, is active And he performed miracles. And he rose triumphant from the grave. Now many of you already get my my daily email back when COVID started. I just started sending out some of my thoughts as I read through the Bible and I'm just looking for clues. Lord, convince me again that Jesus has risen. Give me those kind of details that John saw. I invite you to join with me on this daily journey. If you're not getting that daily devotion, just put your email on the connection card and let's go out to the tomb every day together. Because Jesus' first step that day was to serve people who had doubts and questions like John and like me and like many of you.
The next step that we notice are are steps that are outside the tomb. Mary Magdalene is standing outside the tomb and she is sobbing, and, and we can understand why. Her hopes and dreams for the future were crushed. She had spent three years following Jesus, listening to him, and now he's dead, and and they've even stolen his body. But there was more to it. Certainly Mary understood that if Jesus is the Savior and he is dead, then her hope is gone. The Apostle Paul summarizes it this way, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Mary had reason to cry that morning. Her Savior's dead. And so do you and me. But then, Jesus just a word. Mary. Mary. She recognizes the voice that had spoken words of comfort over and over again. For example, in Matthew chapter 9, when, when they brought a paralyzed man to Jesus, the first thing that Jesus said was, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Mary had heard those kinds of words. She could put her own name in there. Take heart, Mary, your sins are forgiven. This voice that had rescued her from seven demons, this voice that reassured her her sins are forgiven, this voice that that helped her as she dealt with traumatic stress, of all the things she remembered as, as, as during her time of demon possession, just think of that traumatic stress that she had experienced. And over and over again, she heard the Savior speak, Mary. Mary, your sins are forgiven. Mary, you don't have to be afraid because you are precious to the Savior For example, here in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus talks about sparrows and he says, you are worth more than many sparrows. One of the great tools to use as you're reading the Bible and, and, and you're struggling with your own guilt, your own fears, is to put your first name in those blanks. Jesus heard, or Mary heard her Savior say her name. Guess what? Jesus knows you by name as well. The very hairs of your head are numbered, Jesus says in this context. His first steps that Easter morning were to comfort a crying woman. His steps to this day are to comfort us. So let's claim that comfort. Let's read this verse and put our own first names in there. Join with me. Take heart, Peter. Your sins are forgiven. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. So don't be afraid, Peter. You are worth more than many sparrows. 
the Savior's first steps were Mary to comfort us. And Mary responds in a way that just makes a lot of sense. Mary sees Jesus, understands that it's her Savior. She wraps her arms around Jesus' feet and will not let him go. I lost you once, but I'm not going to lose you again. I want a heaven here on earth. And Jesus' next steps kind of surprise us. Because his next steps are steps back away from Mary. Don't hold on to me, Mary. God's plan isn't to create a heaven here on earth. I have to ascend to heaven. But he gives Mary a purpose in life. He commissions her as a missionary witness. He says to Mary, go to my brothers. Don't pass by that phrase too quickly. Go to my brothers. The last time most of the disciples had seen Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane when they were scurrying for cover. When humanly speaking, Jesus needed them most, they were running for their lives. Oh, Peter followed Jesus into Caiaphas' courtyard, and Peter there has to, the last thing that Peter sees from Jesus is the look to call Peter to repentance for denying him three times. The only one that we know was there at the cross was the Apostle John. And so, the last time they had had interaction with Jesus, they had failed him. They had sinned against him. And yet Jesus says, go to my brothers. The author of Hebrews says that God is not ashamed to call us, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. How can that be? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. And what his resurrection is, is not only a declaration that he has defeated death, but he's also overcome our sins. In Romans chapter 4, Paul makes this wonderful statement, so important, let's read it together. He was delivered over death for our sins and raised to life our justification. Jesus' resurrection was God's declaration to all of us that we will not be punished for our sins. Justification is a courtroom term. A judge declares a person not guilty. A judge doesn't say you didn't do it. A judge is saying you will not be punished whether you did it or not. You are free to go. The resurrection is Jesus' declaration to all of us. No matter what we've done, no matter how we failed him, no matter how many times we have denied him, we've scurried for cover, you're forgiven. I'm not going to punish you. I took that punishment on myself. You're free to go. Forgiven. And so Mary has this privilege to say to the disciples, 
tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, that you have the same marvelous personal relationship with the creator of the world that I have, Jesus said, that you and I have this marvelous comfort for ourselves, but not just for ourselves, but to be witnesses of it to others. So these are Jesus' first steps that Easter morning. The first step where he turns around and folds up his facial napkin to convince Peter, or to, uh, Peter and John and us, he is risen just as he said. His steps towards Mary to comfort her and to comfort us. He knows us by name and he claims us as his own. And then his step back to commission us to be missionary witnesses. Jesus' first steps were not for his own benefit, but to bless us. And that leads to an obvious question. What will our next steps be? I invite you to come back next week as we, we think about what are the next steps that Jesus wants each of us to take? The first week of this series, you can see the series outlined on the back of the worship folder in the My Next Steps, that we're going to take steps to strengthen our faith, to be convinced by the details again. Next week, we'll hand out these workbooks in bulk called, the title is Bigger Faith. Nobody asks for a smaller faith. We ask for a bigger faith. So what's the next step to a bigger faith? We'll hand out these workbooks and, and we'll encourage you to join us in, in a 30-day walk towards a bigger faith. The next week, April 23rd, we'll see how the, how the Holy Spirit built a community where God's people could comfort each other. And we'll, we'll recognize part of our next step is, is to, to build a community, a family, where we can comfort each other. And then on April 30th, the commission that Mary Magdalene received is our commission, and that we will recommit to that mission as well. Jesus' first steps were not about him. Jesus' first steps were about others, about us. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to follow Jesus, then our next steps aren't about serving ourselves, but about serving others to fulfill our mission, that by every possible means, we bring every person in our area of influence closer to Christ. Amen.
Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ Sermon Podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.